Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. We are back in the Gospel of John. I am so excited. As you turn in there, I want to put in my welcome to any first-time visitors that we may have this morning here at Red Cross Baptist Church. One thing I would like to say about us, Leto has already said about us, is we are imperfect people serving a perfect Savior. We are a people of the Word of God seeking to worship God. I am very fortunate and honored to be the pastor here at Red Cross Baptist Church. Uh, coming up in April will be three years here, two years as a head pastor. I cannot believe that. Um, but I'm thankful f- for Red Cross and the people here. And I'm very excited to see what God has in store for us in 2019. Very excited. A lot of good things are coming up. I want you to make, I want to make you aware, uh, the end of January on January 26th here at Red Cross Baptist Church, we're going to be hosting a conference here, uh, through Walk Through the Bible. It's called an Old Testament Live conference. Uh, my good friend Terry Seaman, some of you may know him, will be leading that. It'll be that Saturday from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. The cost, I think, is $10 a person. But I highly recommend that you be here. It is an awesome Bible conference that will walk us through the Old Testament and will open up our eyes to the beauty of it. And then in October-ish, we will be hosting the New Testament Live conference to follow up. So uh, my friend Terry will be here next Sunday. Um, For just a few minutes, he will give us just a little taste of what the conference holds for us. Um, I was able to go see one done uh, several months back for just a little bit at a friend's church, and it's so beneficial, and it's a lot of fun. So I really hope you can be here and be a part of that, especially if you've begun a new reading plan this year. Uh, it'll It'll help you follow along as you go through the Old Testament now. Uh, Sign-up information will be available next Sunday. All right, John 6. You ready? If you're there, say word. word. Fantastic. Stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in verse 60. We'll finish out the chapter today. Verse 60 of John 6. When many of His disciples heard it, They said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in Himself that His disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where He was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray Him. And He said, This is why I told you that no one can come to Me unless it is granted Him by the Father. After this, many of His disciples turned back and no longer walked with Him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered Him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that You are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. 
Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this Sunday. Lord, I pray that as we go into this time that you would open up our eyes to the truth of your word to see what a true disciple looks like. God, we thank you for this time that we get to come together to open up your word, to to proclaim your word. And so, God, I pray that you would use me as you see fit. In your son's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In 1606, a chain of 80 islands which stretched across the South Pacific were discovered by the Spanish explorer Fernandez de Quiros. These islands were full of people whose existence were unknown to the rest of the world. These islands were later named the New Hebrides. I think I may be saying that wrong. In 1839, two London missionaries sought to reach the people of the islands by bringing the gospel to them. But just upon minutes of their arrival, they were eaten by cannibals. A man by the name of John G. Patton and his wife, who was given a desire to go to these islands, a desire to proclaim the message of the gospel to these people, set sail for the islands in 1858, about 20 years after the two missionaries were killed. And before they left, they were confronted by the people. And one person said to Mr. Patton, he said, you will be eaten by cannibals. Well, Mr. Patton, on mission for the sake of the gospel, responded to the guy by saying, I confess to you that if I can but live and die, serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. John Patton, we would say, was a true disciple of Jesus Christ, a true follower of him. Now, before we jump into John 6, let's, uh, the end of, of John 6, let's do a little bit of recap of John 6. It's been a few weeks since we've been in this chapter. We took a few weeks off, went through the book of Ruth for Advent, which was also good. But it's so good to be back in the gospel of John. So in John 6, we see Jesus at the beginning of the chapter. He's doing a miracle for about 20,000 people. He takes loaves of bread and fish and feeds 20 plus thousand people. Bible says 5,000 men, but it says it doesn't mention women and children. So we're thinking 15, 20, 25,000. Who knows? And then these people realize that this Jesus can do amazing things. And so they follow him. But we come to see through John chapter 6 that these people only wanted what Jesus could provide physically. They wanted him to be king on their terms. They wanted him to be king because he can feed them. He can heal the sick. He can turn water into wine. I mean, what other man do we need except Jesus? And so John shows us through the entire chapter of John 6 that Jesus is the true bread from heaven. That he has come not to satisfy our stomachs, but to satisfy our hearts. That Jesus is the true source of salvation. And here at the end of John 6, we're seeing the disciples' response. What John is going to show us here at the conclusion of John 6 is what a true and faithful disciple of Christ looks like. Now we live in a society where we can see 
what a true and faithful husband or wife looks like, where we can see what a true and faithful employee looks like, what a true and faithful friend looks like. But this morning, I want to show you what a true and faithful disciple of Christ looks like. Because my goal this morning is for you to leave this building encouraged to be a true and faithful follower of Jesus. So the big idea that I want to get across to you this morning is this. In your sermon notes, it's, it's available to you in your bulletin. True disciples respond to Jesus with true faith and loyalty to Him. True disciples respond to Jesus with true faith and loyalty to Him. And we're going to unpack that through this message at the end of John 6. So let's see what that looks like. I have three ways from this section of Scripture of what a true disciple of Christ looks like. So let's start with number one. True disciples follow the person of Christ. True disciples follow the person of Christ. We once had Dish Network. Anybody in here have Dish Network? I'm sorry. We don't have Dish Network anymore. Satellite and cable subscriptions are just ridiculously priced. We cannot afford it. Dish Network threw out that great deal. You know how they, they, they kind of suck you in a little bit like any other subscription provider does for the first year, 70% off, 60% off for the first two years. And then after that's done, you're, you're, you see that first bill and you're like, how are we going to afford this? We only stayed with them for a couple of years. First, because the price wasn't bad. But then when the price went up, we left them because the price was just too costly for us. We only wanted them for what they offered. But when the price got to be too expensive, more than what we wanted to give, we dropped them. We didn't see them as being worth the cost. Well, here in verses 60 through 62, these disciples were following Christ, not because of who he is, but because of what he could give them. They saw Jesus as the one who could multiply their food, turn their water into wine, heal them when they're sick, and they wanted the benefits of Christ, but not Christ. They wanted what Christ could give, but not Christ himself. Some believe that pastoring in the Bible Belt is an easy job, and I know I've shared this with you a, a few times Everyone in the Bible Belt claims to be a Christian, a follower of Christ, but that's the problem. There are so many people in the Bible Belt who are following Christ because of what He offers them. Some believe in following Christ because of health, wealth, and prosperity. Some believe in following Christ only because they don't want to go to hell. They only want that free ride to heaven, so they'll make that claim that they are saved. But that's not what makes a true disciple. That's not what makes a true follower of Christ. And I want you to hear it, not from me, but from Scripture. We see here in the first few verses of this passage, a group of disciples who are grumbling that this is a hard saying. Now we have to go back. What is a hard saying? What are they talking about? That Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is the only source of salvation. That they must feed on His flesh and drink His blood. Not cannibalism, but commitment. 
in order to be a follower of, of Christ. They must, they must come to Jesus for who He is and not what He gives. And they don't like this. They find it hard to believe that He's God. They, they, they find it hard to believe that Jesus isn't here to feed them real bread, but true bread, and to give them true satisfaction. That's not what they want. They want a king to save them from Roman oppression, not from salvation. F.F. Bruce says in his commentary, what they wanted, he would not give. What he offered, they would not receive. They don't see who Jesus is truly. But a true disciple sees who Jesus is and follows him. See, a false disciple that follows Christ for what he gives and not for who he claims to be, doesn't obey Christ. He claims to be a follower of Christ, but he lacks a life of repentance. He claims to be a follower of Christ, but believes that Christ is okay, that he's living in sin. Well, God loves me anyway. He'll forgive me for what I'm doing. He claims to be a follower of Christ, but shows no desire for him or for his word. And there's a lot of sayings we can throw out there that false disciples claim. I love Jesus, but not the church is one of them. That's like saying, I love Pastor Jesse, but his wife I can't stand. How can you love me, but not my wife? How can you love Christ, but not the church? I don't have to go to church. I can have church in my living room. That's what a false disciple would say. There's so many things we can throw out there. See, true disciples follow the person of Christ. They follow Christ for who He is and not just what He gives. True disciples see Jesus as true treasure, true satisfaction, and true life. They come to Him mourning over their sin, hungering and thirsting for only that that Christ can offer Himself, His righteousness, and His life. Luke 9, 23-25, it says... And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German the theologian, once said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Not only do true disciples follow the person of Christ, but number two, true disciples have faith in the words of Christ. True disciples have faith in the words of Christ. Look at verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. These disciples who are grumbling about these hard sayings are not true disciples. Jesus is showing them here that salvation comes through faith in the words of Christ, not through their actions. John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Accepting or rejecting the words of Christ is what distinguishes 
true and false disciples. And church, let me tell you, we live in a day today where we as a church. Let me let me throw that back a little bit. When we as a quote unquote church are claiming that the words of Christ are no longer relevant today. See, a true disciple of, of Christ sees the words of Christ as true and relevant, as authoritative. That's why here at Red Cross, we stand on the word of God. We open with scripture and we end with scripture. We are people of the word. We preach from the word. We don't preach man's opinions. We go through books of the Bible. Accepting or rejecting the words of Christ is what distinguishes true and false disciples. Now hear me say this. One can claim to accept the words of Christ, yet live as if Christ doesn't exist. We see this a lot in the Bible Belt, do we not? True discipleship is faith in the words of Christ that leads to transformation. See, we can claim to believe the word, we can claim to believe the words that Christ has said, we can claim to believe the words in this book, but do we live like it? See, James tells us that even the demons believe and tremble. Matthew 4, while Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness, we see that even Satan knows the word of God. We believe that this is true, but has it changed us? That's what distinguishes true and false disciples. Do you have a transforming faith in the words of Christ? Do you have a faith in the words of Christ that change you? That give you new desires according to his word? Do you have a faith in the words of Christ that shape your view on the world and society as a whole? See, too often we do this. We put the world and we, we view God's word through the lens of the world. But we need to, we need to readjust that, church. Because we need to view the world through the lens of the word of God. Do you have a faith in the words of Christ that calls you to mourn for your sin? Here's some more hard words for you. John 8, 31 through 32. We're going to get to this later. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. True disciples know Jesus by his word. True disciples follow Jesus by his word. True disciples are transformed to be more like Jesus by his word. And what about the ones who don't? John 15, 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch. True disciples have faith in the words of Christ. True disciples have faith in the words of, of Christ. And number three, true disciples are faithful in their commitment to Christ. True disciples are faithful in their commitment to Christ. Francis Chan in his book, Crazy Love, he once said, following Christ isn't something that can be done half-heartedly or on the side. It is not a label that we can display when it is useful. It must be central to everything we do and are. Following Christ is not a hobby. 
Following Christ is, is not a means for us to make it in the workplace. Following Christ should be central to everything we are. And true disciples are faithful in their commitment to Christ. They are loyal. They abide in him. Once the disciples who don't abide in Jesus leave, we see this in verses um, 60 through 65. They left. They turned and, and left. These disciples who realized that this is just too hard, that I cannot continue this, they left. But then we come to 66. Once the disciples who don't abide in Jesus leave, Jesus turns to the 12 that were sovereignly chosen by him, and he asks them, do you want to go as well? Peter turns to him, and for once he doesn't stick his foot in his mouth. And he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. There are 11 true disciples here, not 12. We see in verse 70 and 71 that one of them is going to betray Christ. I was told one time that if you have um, 11 faithful people and one person trying to kill you, you have a ministry like Jesus, and it's good. It's a youth ministry quote, by the way. There are 11 true disciples here. They have come to see who Christ truly is. They have placed their faith in his words and they follow him for who he truly is. They express total commitment to Jesus. Not only do true disciples have true faith in Christ, but they are truly faithful to him. Now, I'm the last person to stand up here and say that I am 100% faithful to Christ. Because of my sin... I fail daily because of your sin. You fail daily. But we as true disciples are faithful in our commitment to Christ by living a life of repentance. Martin Luther once said that the life of a Christian is one of repentance. <coughs> we wake up in the morning praising and thanking God for another day to live and glorify him. And we go to bed at, at night asking for forgiveness and repenting of the sin that we've committed. And we wake up the next day and we do it all over. A faithful Christian is one who even in, in his sin turns from it, repents of it, and continues following Christ. Unlike the false disciples who have abandoned him. They don't turn from their sin, they turn from their Savior. Now there's a sense of abandoning Christ without realizing it. There's a sense of being a false disciple without even realizing it. I want to lay out some characteristics of a true disciple. A true disciple is one who is willing to follow Jesus no matter the cost. We saw that with John Patton. We saw that with the young man who recently died a couple months back as he went to an unreached people group and was shot with an arrow. We need to be willing to follow Christ no matter the cost. No matter what people are going to say to us in the workplace, no matter what people are going to say to us at school, we need to follow Christ no matter the cost. The true disciple is one who is willing to make the necessary sacrifices for the sake of following Jesus. 
A true disciple is one whose greatest desire, greatest treasure is knowing Jesus and making him known. A true disciple is one who makes it a point to kill their sin and not live in it anymore, to live a life of repentance. A true disciple is one who places their faith in the works and obedience of Christ and not in their own. A true disciple is one who loves and forgives because Christ loves and has forgiven them. A true disciple is one who plants themselves daily in the word of God to know him more. A true disciple is one who seeks the redemption of others because he has been redeemed. A true disciple is one who prays to God, not to move God, but so God would move him. A true disciple is one who is humbled by the word of God. A true disciple is one who is shaken by the awesomeness of God. A true disciple is one who is overwhelmed by the grace of God. A true disciple is one who seeks the presence of God. And a true disciple is one who savors the living God. Are you a true disciple of Christ? Are you a true follower of, of Him? We are, we are called to examine ourselves. Because we may have prayed a prayer, but let me tell you, those words don't save you. They don't. It's only by the grace of God, through our faith in God, that we are saved. For any non-believers in the room, Jesus is real. Jesus really lived. He really died. And one day, every knee will bow, some joyfully and some burdensome. I pray that you come to know Christ. He truly has the words of eternal life. He truly is the Son of God made flesh. He truly resurrected from the dead three days after suffering excruciating pain for our sin. He paid our penalty. He took and satisfied the wrath of God on our behalf. Do you know Him today? And for the believers in the room, maybe you've fallen off the path, so to speak. Maybe you need to rekindle that relationship with Christ. Maybe you need to bring that sin that you've been clinging to for so long and lay it at the feet of Jesus. It's a new year. I'm not going to say new year, new you, because to be quite honest, I'm the same depraved, wretched sinner today that I was in 2018. And I am daily in need of God's grace, and so are you. But it is a new year. And what if 2019 is the year that you came back to Christ as a true follower of Him? What if the first Sunday of 2019 is the day that you decided that you made a commitment because God's drawn you back to Him? Maybe today's the day that you come to Him and you say, God, I am sorry for the sin that I've clung to. I am sorry that I have not put you first. I'm sorry that I haven't had you at the center of everything in, in my life. But today I want to be a true, a true follower of you. Today I want to follow you with everything that I am. I want to give my entire life to you. I want to make you, no, no, no. I want to surrender to you as the Lord of my life. So do you know him today? Man, I pray you do. I pray you do. Nothing in this life brings me more joy than knowing Jesus Christ. 
Nothing in this life brings me more joy than digging daily in his word to know him more. In church, I'm standing up here preaching to myself. I need to come back to him. I need to give up sin within my life. So will you do that today? Let's pray. Father God, we're so thankful. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for who you are. And God, I pray that as we go into this time of invitation, that you would draw us to you. That you would grab our hearts and help us to see that you are truly our Savior, that you are the true source of satisfaction, the true source of our salvation, the true bread from heaven. God, convict us of our sin. Bring us to our knees so that we can repent and bring it to you. God, I pray that in this room, if there's anybody that doesn't know you, that is not a true follower of you, I pray that you would bring them to you, God. Romans 1.16, your word tells us that, 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 that salvation is truly from the power of God. So God, work in the people 